0: The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Good evening. Merry Christmas. My name is Jason. I'm one of the the pastors here at Park. What a joy and a blessing it is to worship with you guys on Christmas Eve. Uh, Can I get an amen, maybe? Yes. Yes? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for um, what we see in it, what what you tell us in the Old Testament is going to happen, what we see in the New Testament did happen. Lord, I pray that you would make much of yourself tonight as we uh, look at what kind of a king you are, would you show yourself to be mighty? Would you show yourself to be good? And Lord, would you cause our hearts to worship? As we contemplate what you're like, as we contemplate your coming, would you cause worship and joy to well up in us? let in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. I had a counseling professor say once uh, in a class that the job of a counselor is to help people rehearse the gospel and their story again and again. This is true in a counseling setting where you can almost see the person that you're sitting with wrestling with what their emotions are telling them, wrestling with what their feelings are, are saying to them, wrestling with what their mind is telling them and wrestling with what is good and right and true from God's word you can you can almost see it happening right in front of you but we're all like this in some way aren't we much of the life of a christian is spent recentering our heart and our mind on what is right and true about god and about ourselves we have a moment of salvation wherein we're saved Wherein we believe the gospel. And in that moment, we are reoriented from an enemy of God to a son or a daughter. But we spend a fair amount of the rest of our lives rehearsing that again and again, retelling ourselves that again and again. Advent is a season, Christmas a day, and tonight a time when we rehearse to ourselves again what is right and true about our God our story, and our world. As we gaze tonight at the description of King Jesus from Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, I pray two things. One, that the Lord might open eyes who have never actually seen the dawning of this baby's kingdom. And two, for those of us who would, who have seen, would he recenter and reset our hearts and our mind on what is true? So Isaiah 9, 6 begins with, For to us a child is born to us a son is given if we were to flip back to the Luke 2 passage that we read just a little bit earlier in Luke 2:11 the angel that appeared to the shepherds states for unto you is born this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord now many of you if you have references in your bible you'll see that in your references for isaiah 9:6 Luke 2.11 is referenced there. And in your reference for Luke 2.11, Isaiah 9.6 is referenced there. Why? Because the events of Luke 2.11 are the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 9.6 and 7. Jesus' birth was the fulfillment of what God said he would do. Does that sink into your heart and your mind tonight? Does it astonish you? I pray that it does. Because the Lord does what he says he will do. He does what he promises he will do. He promised that unto sinners, a child savior king would be born. And on that most precious night over 2,000 years ago, that's exactly what he did. He fulfilled it. But Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 doesn't just tell us about the arrival of any mere child. And Luke 2, 11 doesn't doesn't tell us about the arrival of just a child, Isaiah 9, 6 tells us what kind of child is being born. A king. But not just any king. Let's take a look and see what that baby king is like. According to verse 6, the government will be upon his shoulder. I don't know about you, I've always, that's always puzzled me. The government will be upon his shoulders. I always think the U.S. government, maybe it's just me. What does it mean? It means Jesus has rule and reign. And his rule and reign are far superior to any king or kingdom or government that there ever has been or ever will be. All authority. Let me repeat that. All authority must submit to his government, to his kingdom, either now or in the future. All knees will eventually bow before this king. We read in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And then verse 7 goes on to elaborate about this king's rule and reign. It isn't just that he will have rule and reign, and not only will the government be upon his shoulders, but his rule and his reign and the peace of his kingdom will always be increasing. There will be no end to his rule. Now if that weren't enough, if that weren't enough to make our hearts come alive with worship, let's look at some of the names that Isaiah gives to this child king. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. This king is a wise teacher. His ways are wise. He does not simply rule over his people. Jesus shows humanity what it means to be truly human. He shows us what obedience to the Father is like. He counsels his people in how we should think about our own hearts and the world that we live in. But he doesn't just stop there. In an awe-striking move, our wonderful counselor dies so that those who are not wise would become wise. Counselor and writer Paul Tripp states it like this in his Advent devotional. He says, or he writes, Sin reduces all of us to fools. In our foolishness, we see the world inside out and upside down. We look at what is false and we see truth. We look at what is foolish and we see wisdom. As the wonderful counselor, Jesus comes to rescue fools from themselves. And his name shall be called Mighty God. King Jesus carries with him the very power of God. He is not only fully human, he is also in his essence fully God. He is the God who created the heavens and the earth by the power of his word. He is God who split the Red Sea so that his people might walk through on dry ground with massive walls on either side. This is the kind of power that this baby comes with. Can you see that kind of power? Do you see what kind of power he comes with tonight? This king easily defeats his enemies. The great theologian John Calvin once wrote, It is good for us that he is called strong or mighty because our contest is with the devil, death, and sin. Enemies too powerful and strong by whom we would be vanquished immediately if Christ's strength had not made us invincible. And his name shall be called Everlasting Father. The use of the word father here depicts with what kind of love Jesus loves us. He is a benevolent protector who displays a fatherly love to his sons and daughters. And this is a love that will never end since it is everlasting. But lest we miss something important here. The title of Everlasting Father also says something about his people. It also says something about those who trust in Jesus. Our identity has been changed From rebel, from enemy of the king, to adopted sons and daughters. To be a father is to have children, children that you love. And we are brought into Jesus' family. And as sons and daughters, we are given the rights and the privileges of sons and daughters. And his name shall be called Prince of Peace. King Jesus ushers in a kingdom wherein peace will be established and forever and always increasing. He is the one who makes peace between God the Father and rebels. As one commentator puts it, as the prince of peace, he reconciles us while we are still enemies. And how does Jesus do this? Isaiah 53.5 gives us the answer. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Jesus, our king, dies on the cross to take upon himself the wrath that we deserve. And as another prophecy in Isaiah 54.10 declares he established the covenant of peace that shall never be removed. Ultimately, Christmas takes us to Easter. And Easter reminds us why Christmas was so important. Sinners need a perfect sacrifice. In order for him to be our perfect sacrifice, to show us what true wisdom is, to show us what real power does, to show us what love truly is, and to purchase for us peace with God, Jesus, the Son of God, had to be born in the flesh. He had to be like you and I. He had to be fully God and fully human, and so he came near to us as a baby born long ago, the King of kings, the gift of gifts, and we live in a time Where we look back and we see that that sacrifice, or sorry, that that first coming, that birth has already happened. And we know because of what Isaiah says, his kingdom is always increasing. The peace of his kingdom is always increasing. So even here and now, we live in that. That gives us joy real joy, not some cheap joy, real joy in worship and hope. And we are a people who long and we wait to see our great king come again in glorious splendor when we will see him face to face. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for, uh, for your initial coming. Without which, we have no cross. We have no uh, walk of life toward that cross. We have no sacrifice that we need, that we desperately need. And so, Lord, we thank you. And, Lord, we long for you to come again. We wait with, as a people with joy and with hope in the here and now. But we long for you to come back again, that we might see you face to face. It's in your name we pray. Amen.